I'll start with the epistle reading, which is uh, from the letter to the Corinthians. When you're Irish, you can start with the second one, but uh, you have to pardon me. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have no love, I am nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not pride. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked as a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned like a child. But I, when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Here ends our reading from the Epistle to the Corinthians. May Almighty God strengthen his word in our hearts. Will you please stand as we hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus according to Luke 4. Bear with me here. I've forgotten my glasses, so I'm struggling with the numbers. <laughs> um, then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened onto him. 
And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did. And I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut and a half years and there was for three and a half years and there was severe famine throughout the land and yet Elijah was not sent to any of the Israelites but to a widow of Zarephath and there were many Israel Israelites with leprosy at the time of Elisha and the prophets. Yet not one of them was claimed, was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the peoples of the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove them out of the town and took him to the brow of a hill where they were to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you. Please be seated. the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen. Please pardon me there for that uh, eye strain. (laughs) Uh, And um, the the thing about this reading, I want to focus on the, the Corinthians reading today, Uh, Rather than the gospel reading, I will refer to the gospel reading. Um, But let's be clear, when Paul uh, created 1 Corinthians 13, he didn't sit down and decide he was going to write a bestseller that would be read for 2,000 years by thousands of people at weddings and funerals. That's not how 1 Corinthians 13 started out its life. Paul uh, was writing to a young church. It was part of a letter, part of a letter to a church, Corinth. Move the slide on to the next one. So you can see Athens has got a star uh, and Corinth just to the left of it. I've been there myself. It's nothing spectacular now, but it was quite uh, a, a metropolitan town at the time. And there was a young church that had got the truth of Jesus and responded, and it was a gifted church. And uh, 
this letter wasn't ever meant to be read in isolation only uh, the what, thir- chapter 13 wasn't meant to be taken in isolation it was a it was a part of a whole letter which was read to that whole young gifted church they were preaching and teaching there was healings uh, there was uh, uh, issues in the church the things that uh, were going on uh, that Paul had heard about and, and noticed. He felt he had to address to this young church. Some things had crept in. It was tarnishing their witness in the city as a fellowship. We often take uh, this passage as if it was to individuals, as if it was to me and to you, which of course it is, but it's to us as a fellowship. It's to the church and our witness in the city and in this community. It's important that we hear it. And Paul had already addressed uh, things in earlier chapters. In uh, chapter 7, he deals with them being rude. In chapter 8, he talked about them being puffed up and proud. In chapter 9, about being self-disciplined. In chapter 10, about being in, in sinful living. Chapter 11, about being in right relationships while taking communion. It's that famous part in the Bible where it says, if someone, if you are not at peace with someone, and that's where we get our peace in the Anglican church from, if you're not at peace with someone, then you have to go and make amends before you receive communion. That's where that comes from, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 12 uh, deals with the many gifts of the Spirit. And also some people in the church who had received the gift of tongues had, because it wasn't uh, intelligible to some people, they felt they were speaking the language of angels. So people would boast and say, I speak angel. And that's why um, Paul's starts his letter by saying, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not love, I am nothing. In chapter 13 we get to, which is our chapter that we read this morning, it deals with issues in this young gifted church to ensure they keep their Christian discipleship, that they keep on keeping on And that was important for the way they served in the community in Corinth and how their witness went out in what they did. And we can apply it here, where we are in Barton or where you are maybe online, how we are in this town. It's quite possible to be gifted. It's quite possible to be busy in church, but without love. It comes to nothing. That's the message of this. So just flick up the next headings and then... So I wondered, that's a dreadful picture for some people that uh, have just seen an MOT inspection sheet. If your car is filled, then uh, it's not a very pleasant sight for you. But I wondered, what does 1 Corinthians 13 look like? And how would we measure up if it was like a 1 Corinthians 13 MOT, which we can take here today? 
I'll go through some of the headings. It's quite quick fire. I haven't time to, to add five minutes onto each point, otherwise we'd be still here this afternoon. But if we did an MOT, a 1 Corinthians 13 MOT, for our fellowship here, for maybe your home group, for yourself, how would we do? How would we get on? Dare we take this MOT? Let's go. Love is patient. Uh, sometimes you'd be frustrated. Sometimes you're stressed out. Sometimes you might want to give a harsh a criticism to someone who does something wrong. Hear this phrase. Love is patient. Try this little test. Put your name in front of that instead of the word love. Andrew is patient. How does that sound, Liz? <laughs> Kelvin is patient. I'll not ask Jenny what she thinks of that. It's a little test, in a way, for you to mark an X or a tick. Love is kind. When's the last time you did some small act of kindness for someone? When's the last time you troubled Interflora? Just for no reason. Not because they did something, but because you were thinking of them. When's the last time you sent a text or a card to someone? just because it seemed the Lord was laying them on your heart. Small acts of kindness can make a huge difference to somebody. Maybe at the end of a hard day, someone gets that message from you. How can we apply this to our church fellowship? How can our church fellowship bless this community that we're in, this island, how as Christians can we reach out? We can point to things like food bank and we can go further afield and talk about charities that we support. But it's important to ask the question, what acts of kindness do we do as a fellowship? Love is kind. Love is not envious. Envy and jealousy does damage to us, not to the other person. 1 Corinthians 13, love appreciates the other person, is glad for the blessings that comes to others, and not envious. Love is not proud or arrogant. Sometimes it's hard to love when you've been successful, and that was an important message to this young, gifted church. They were gifted, but somehow, uh, arrogance had come into the way they ap appeared, portrayed themselves in the time. And Paul was addressing that. How do we look? Sometimes when you're gifted in music or, or, or speaking or even in, in your doings and in your serving, it can become a kind of a pride which is not loving. Let me suggest an alternative. Be proud for the other person. Be proud when you see other people achieve and do things and commend them. 
build the other person up and learn to praise people and thank them for their gifts. Love is not pride. Love is not rude. How are we doing? Are these all ticks so far? Love is not rude. But today in society I see an abruptness and a rudeness which I think is creeping in and becoming more than norm. There's less of this uh, courtesy of after you at the door and opening doors for people when uh, people are getting out of the car. There's, there's a change in society which has happened over the last 25 or so years. There's a sense of, I couldn't care less of what the other person thinks. I'm going to say this. It's rude. It's rude to carve somebody up on the motor, uh, on, when you're driving. It's rude to hang up on somebody. Love is not rude. Love is not selfish. Quite often our love says, I love you because of what I'm going to get from you. I'm going to give you something because you will give me uh, something back. 1 Corinthians 13, love is known in the Greek as agape love. It's sacrificial love. It's love without requiring something back. It's love just because you love. It's not what we can give the other person. It's, it's not what we can get from the other person. It's what we can give to the other person. Agape love says, I'm going to love you even if you won't love me back. Love is not selfish. Love is not easily angered. It's not irritable. It's resentful. Oh dear. This is a hard one for me. Because I am easily angered. I'm Irish. I'm a hothead. Love has a long fuse and a short memory. I'm afraid I fail this one often. Love is quick to forgive. When our kids were younger, we had a, a thing on the fridge which was called family values. Uh, and one of the values which our kids always remember of our own family lists of things. We, there was an idea that all those kids are going into that school or those playgrounds and all those families have different values and I wanted our kids or we wanted our kids to know what our family values were. And one of the ones at the top was say sorry quickly and always forgive. And they remember that to this day. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, I'm an accountant, which uh, in a previous life, that was what my uh, profession was. And the Greek word for this record here, love keeps no record of wrongs, is the same word for ledger, an accountant's ledger. Love, 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no ledger of the other person's mistakes. 
Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. I think this is important uh, in a loving fellowship. That in 1 Corinthians 13 type love, you can tell a home truth. You can correct someone in love. And in love it can be received in a right way. But if it's spoken to wound, or if it's received by somebody who takes the hump, then it's not 1 Corinthians 13 type love. Particularly if the person that's correcting is not speaking the truth in love. might be the truth, but it might not be in love. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's a word that appears four times in this verse. Did you hear it? All. All. In other words, in all things, love hangs in there. It holds on. Verse 8, love, and never fails. And many things, many people will let you down. Cars will let you down, fail their MOTs. Businesses will let you down. Even your health is not a given. But love never fails. Just like Jesus' love for us never fails. And if you practice this 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, type love, if you do what you ought to do and stop what you ought to stop, it'll never fail you or your family. Love never fails. It will never fail this fellowship. So, how was the MOT? If you look at that column down the middle, where the ticks are crosses, a few of crosses and a few ticks is my guess. Do you feel like you failed the MOT today? As a fellowship, as a person, but take heart. What Paul was actually doing here, he was pointing to the only one who could put his name in front of all of those words. Jesus is patient. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not rejoice in wrongdoings. Jesus is kind. He's not proud or arrogant. He's not rude. He's not selfish. Paul was pointing us to the only one who was worthy to put his name in front of this. The one who took our sin and shame upon himself so that we could have his ticks on that list. We get his righteousness, and he got our sin and shame on the cross. Yes, this passage is a warning to that young church in Corinth. It's a warning to us here today. Uh, but it's, always, it's also a message that when we fail we can get a fresh start. We can return time and time again and press reset. 
Yes, the Lord is gracious. We can be gifted as a church, but we fail. We fail the love. We fail the one Corinthians 13 love MOT, and we have to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, we need you to come and minister to us. Instead of being agape love, our love maybe is a little bit hypocritical. But you say, Lord, but I'm giving my body to be burned up for you. And Paul mentions that in verse 3. He says it's nothing. If it is not in love, it is nothing. Because we are focusing on the, some things that we can do. But actually what we should be focusing on is it what someone did for us. And that someone is Jesus. In the gospel reading, the Pharisees were so good at religious somethings, in religious doings, that they would not receive the someone who was in their midst. They took him out of the town and were trying to throw him off the cliff. And miraculously, it says, he walked through the midst of them. But when I read that verse, I was sad. I wasn't sad because Jesus escaped. It wasn't his hour as far as dying was concerned. I was sad because they missed it. They were so busy with their somethings that they were doing that they missed the someone in their midst who could set them free, who could take their sin and shame, who could help them have a free love 1 Corinthians 13, love, M-O-T, because they would have got the righteousness of the Son of God. The one who died for us so that we might be free, who would forgive us, who redeemed us. I'm going to put a picture up of a strong man. I'm sure you follow the world's strongest man. Anybody know who that is? Tom Stoltman. Tom Stoltman. It's the first time a, Scot, a Scottish man has ever won the world's strongest man. In this year, 2021, uh, in California, he won the world's strongest man. Think of the endurance that he had to go through. I looked at the events that he had to do to get to this title. The Giants medley. The Titans turntable. I looked at that one and he was pushing a, a steam train, a steam engine around a turntable from a standstill. And the fastest one got first on that heat. Or the keg toss, a full keg of beer from between his legs to see how far they could throw it. The, the max log lift where he had to lift a log, the heaviest logs above. The deadlift where he would lift the heaviest lift. And the atlas stones which are just there on the right hand side where he would lift stones from the ground, run 50 yards and put them on top of those little plinths. And his arms and legs were shaking under the stress 
and the strain, and yet he endured. He bears it all. And in the end, he raises his arms. He did it. He endured. He is the world's strongest man. And now you know his name, Tom Stoltman. But why am I saying that? Because our Lord endured the stress and the strain, everything that we should have deserved, he endured that for us. He bears all, and his arms were pinned out and remained out for us. Love endures. And I wondered this morning what weights and burdens you've brought that might be weighing you down. Maybe the very fact that you feel the MOT, according to you, maybe that's weighing you down. Take heart. Jesus endured all things for you. He felt the full crushing weight of your sin and mine, and he cried out words from Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven, so that we need never be forsaken. He will never leave us or forsake us. We go on to the next slide, please. Our Lord, in the language of Tom Stoltman, is a cosmic strongman. His arms remained outstretched. Jesus His love never fails. His love endures forever. He was bearing the sins of the world. He was bearing yours and mine. And the Lord says to you, I don't love you because you're gifted. I love you because I do. There's nothing you can do to make me love you anymore, says Jesus. And there's nothing you have done that will make me love you any less. That's a misquote from somebody called Phil Yancey. Jesus says, I love you because I do. Not because you're gifted. And he is the one going to the next slide. And the next. And because he is risen, because Easter is true, And Matthew 28, verse 20, which I spoke about the last time I was here, is true. He is with you always. He will never leave you or forsake you. So that's how it is in the MOT from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if it's left you burdened, then I hope you've heard the message that I finished with that our Lord takes your burdens and his yoke is easy. His burden is light as you come to him and receive him this morning. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come to what a famous passage again and learn from it afresh. Thank you, Lord, that your word is a living word 
that we read afresh and something new renews us each day. Thank you for this challenge today and thank you, Lord Jesus, that you endured all things for us and that your love never fails. Amen.